Amen, amen. How are you guys doing? How are you guys do really doing? Awesome. I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be together with you guys, and it, it was a little bit of an adventure on the Beltway, but that's a different story for maybe after the service. But you guys are family. What's up, family? You guys are family. And it's just a joy and a privilege and an honor to be here. I, I light up every time I have the opportunity to be together with our family here, and that's how we view you in Annapolis and Maryland. We're just a little under an hour away, which is just nothing in the DMV, right? Uh, but we hold you in our hearts, and we are together with you in every way. And um, you guys are special to our church. You're special to the GCC. You're special to Ann and I and Ann Sensor. Greetings. That's our whole family. I was sitting over there singing the goodness of God, and an unexpected flood of emotion hit me because it was, it's been eight years since the first time I worshiped in this place together with you guys. And I remember that day very clearly. And I see some families that I met on that day that are still here, and I just see the goodness of God. I remember every season between then and now, the ups and downs and the all-arounds, and I see the faithfulness of God. And just a pe people flooded my mind of people of our, of our Fairfax family uh, throughout the years. And I'm just so thankful for the goodness of God, amen? Because we have hope in God. I don't know how you walked in here. God wants you to be here. God wants me to be here, obviously. Uh, there was a moment I didn't know that I was going to be here this morning as we were driving over. But God has a, God has a word for us today. God has a, a plan for us this morning. And it's full of hope. And I love that we sing living hope because we have a living hope, right? First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, we don't have a dead hope, amen? We have a hope living hope. Hebrews chapter 6, this is the living hope, is the anchor for our soul. So while COVID is raging, Christ is still reigning, right? So we anchor our hope in that. While the world is scary, okay, Jesus is still sovereign, so we anchor our hope in that. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10 today, if you want to get a head start. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, in a message titled, The One Thing. Now, all of us fellow DMV residents, we all have that in common. I don't know about you, but anybody else's life in here just a little bit busy these days? Anybody else feel like you got too much to do and not enough time to do it, right? You know, I asked Santa for an extra hour to make it 25 hours every day, and he said no, so I don't know about you, um, but I'm still waiting on that. But man, I feel like I'm just driving from one, we got four kids at home, you saw them on the screen earlier, driving from soccer practice to band practice to this recital to church thing, throwing chicken nuggets behind me in the minivan going, hope you have a good dinner, we'll see you on the other side, right? Seriously, that's just Tuesday. Um, life is busy. Life is busy with good stuff. Life is busy with hard stuff. My question is, is our lives busy with God's stuff? If I, could, if I could ask you, no strings attached, and I would love for you to respond. I like it when people interact. That's awesome here. Uh, um, no, no wrong answers here, but if you could only do one thing today, no, you know, no financial constraints, no time constraints, whatever, what would that one thing be for you? Rest, sleep, common theme, right? I would love for the Washington football team to win that. It's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> But here's the reality. Life is full with a lot of things we could do, but the question is, what should we do? Clarity is so helpful in our lives. We're going to see today in the text that there's a lot of things happening, a lot of good things, a lot of Jesus things, but Jesus is going to teach us very, very specifically that there is only one necessary thing, one necessary thing. And as we enter into 2022, I pray that we would take the words of our Savior of what is necessary and apply it to our everyday lives our everyday lives, because clarity is so helpful. And I want you to, what I've learned over the years is that the passions of my heart 
drive the priorities of my life. The passions of my heart drive the priorities and the plans of my life. And so I pray that while you might have made a resolution to have a little bit more gym time this year, which that's not a bad thing, I pray that you wouldn't focus on gym time before you focus on Jesus' time. We're going to see that today. Luke chapter 10. Here's a big idea. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is always the best choice. We live in a world full of choices. We make thousands of them every day. How should I spend my time? What should I do with my money? How should I spend my energy? There's a constant pull, a constant press, a constant strain from work, from home, from family, from neighbors, from friends, from personal desires about what should I do? We're busy. But may we never be too busy for Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for this, this moment that we have to be together. Love this family. God, we are together. This is our family. We love this church so much, love these people so much, but not as nearly as much as you love them. And Father, I just pray that right now you would silence my words and that you would speak and that you would flow. God, your faithfulness is so good and you are so great. And God, we just want us to take the next few moments and just exalt your mighty name. We want to magnify you in this place. We want to see you move in a mighty way, manifest your presence in this place, God. God, dwell among us and reveal yourself to us in a way that we cannot miss it. And God, remove the distractions as we're going to see vividly from this text this morning. And God, just show us you. Forgive us for wanting more things, things other than you, more than you, even good things. God, I just pray that you would recenter our heart, that you would refocus our lives, that you would restore our souls, that you would revive us and renew us again. In your name we pray, amen. Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42, we're gonna take you to the home of Jesus' best friends and this, on this earth outside of the disciples, Mary and Martha. Here's a text. Now as they, Jesus, Jesus and his disciples and his entourage, went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she also had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not, it will not be taken away from her. This passage has become one of the most cherished in my own heart, the most convicting in my own life. And I just pray that God would just do a work this morning. See, in verse 38, we see that Jesus was always with others. He entered a village. He was doing what others taught, he taught others to do. He had sent the disciples out previously to go tell people about Jesus, and now he's entering into another village. And can I tell you that one of the things I love about Fairfax Bible Church is how you enter into the community. You love this local community. You love the region. You love the world. You serve it. You go beyond the walls of this church, this school, and into the community to take Jesus into it. That is amazing. You open up your homes. You have a heart of hospitality. And that just, just, just oozes the gospel. And we see that with Martha right here. Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. Now, hospitality is a big deal, isn't it? 
It's a, it's a gospel thing. It's a biblical thing. In, in Romans, Paul's right, said as we should welcome one another in Christ. Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God. So when we open our doors and open our fridges and open our living room, we are ushering in the glory of God. Amen. That's awesome. And you want a great book on this? The Gospel Comes with the House. Keep by Rosario Butterfield is an amazing book on this, how you can love your neighbors through hospitality. So this, this message is not don't be hospitable, but it is get your priorities in order. Now, I don't know about you, but how would you react, friends, if you got knock, 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 got a text message, hey, Jesus is coming to your house today. What's your first thought? I need to clean. How much food do I have? Uh, 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 he's going to see my mess. Do I have enough seating? We begin to get into this anxious trouble about the work that we have to do. And now look, and I love hospitality, and sometimes I'll tell my wife, hey, someone's coming up, we don't have to clean up. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Like, and so that's real. Like, we want to give our best to others. We don't want to be slobs, right? But there, there is a difference here. Mary got busy. And if you think it's hard for us, imagine back then. There was no fridge. There was no, like, probably not running water. So to prepare, it's a lot of work. There's no DoorDash. There's no Instacart. Oh, I need food for Jesus. I want to give Jesus my best, right? Give Jesus, like, we literally want to serve. She has the opportunity literally to serve Jesus, and that's what we're all about. She's working for Christ, literally. And working for Christ is not a wrong thing. It's a very right thing. But it can become an idolatrous thing when it replaces worship. Work should flow out of our worship. Jesus cares way more about who you are in him than what you do for him. So she's running around and Jesus shows up. She's there. She's distracted with much serving. So yes, sometimes we need to go, hey, we need to get off the couch and, and, and get into serving. Yes, and sometimes we're like, you're serving so much, have you seen your Savior recently? She's distracted, the text says, from the presence of God by doing what she thought was best. Keyword, she thought was best. In some ways, she was presuming upon Jesus by assuming that she knew what was best for Jesus. How often do we do that? Now, with all these necessary hosting activities, she needed some help, and she's getting a little frustrated. Little sister Mary is not healthy now. I can feel my blood pressure boiling, right? I'm working, and maybe you're like that at home when one of your spouses isn't healthy. Come on, get off the couch, help. Hey, kids, let's go. Like, come on, I'm beginning to get, so I can very much relate to Martha, and maybe you can too. You see, Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was listening to what he was teaching. In a lot of ways, her sitting at Jesus' feet was countercultural, a woman, for one. Not doing the hospitality work that really, culturally, she would have been predisposed to doing another. But again, Jesus cares way more about who you are in him than what you're doing for him. Friends, we can't pour out of an empty cup. You can't give what you don't have. Jesus has to work in you before he can work through you. What we do is, there's lots of important things to do, but there's a huge temptation in all of our lives, and I know at least in my heart, 
to allow lots of other things to replace Jesus' thing, to allow working for God to replace being with God. Working for Jesus is never, ever, ever a replacement for being with Jesus. But how many of us do that? How many of us are doing that right now? You don't believe me? Fine, please go to God. We love God's word here at Fairfax, don't we? Pull out his truth, apply it to our lives. John 15 says this. Jesus' words, right before he went to the cross, John 15, verses four and five. Abide in me and I in you. Abide means to remain in. To, not just to start. Great, you gotta start. You gotta remain in. You made a resolution on New Year's day one. Great. January two, how's it going? January three, remain in. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, friends, we can't do anything by ourselves unless it abides in, is connected to the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever, open invitation to anyone, whoever abides in me and I in him, what, read this, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do, what does that word say? Nothing, and you know what the Greek of nothing is? Well, Nothing. But how, how often are we trying to do things apart from Jesus and trying to do work for God or build God's kingdom apart from him? And really, all we're trying to do is build our own selves up, our own reputation up. Really, we want to grow the church so we can brag about it to our friends. We want to look better on Instagram. Jesus says, whoever abides in me, you will bear much fruit. And here's the reality, friends, and I've had to learn this lesson the hard way of the last couple of years. God has taken me to the mat, so please learn from my heart failings. God is the one who determines the type of fruit that we bear. We don't get to choose that. Our job is faithfulness. God's job is fruitfulness. We get screwed up when we get that backwards. So much of our culture, even in church culture, is focused on fruitfulness. What's the size of your church? How are you doing? Are you growing? How much money do you have tithes and offerings? Right? Go to a pastor's conference. See how long it takes for those questions to come out of somebody's mouth. We've built a culture where we stare at our behind the scenes and we drool over other people's highlight reels on Instagram. And we go, why not us? And God's go, that's not my plan for you. Trust me, they're screwed up too. Come on. You need me. God wants us to be faithful over fruitful. And sometimes we were like, I want an apple. And God's like, it's orange season. Can I tell you, in the DMV, God has wrecked me over this. I'm like, come on, God, we're doing everything. Why, why, why isn't our church 500 people yet? Like, it's not. It's about it's 150, 175. It's continually transitioning all the time, all the time. You guys get that? God's like, you prayed to be a gospel-sending church, right? Yes. You prayed to send people all over the world on mission. Yes. You prayed to be a launching pad. My words literally, God, make us a launching pad on the DMV. I believe that God has put both of our churches together in the most strategic place in the world for the gospel in the D.C. metro area. It's not easy. God's like, yeah. I'm like, yes. He's like, I'm answering your prayer. You just don't like how I'm answering it. Did you know that like 900 people have come and been a part of our church over the last five or six years? We just got four or five families in England, seven or eight in Texas. Texas needs to stop taking our people. Anyway, <laughs> can I get an amen, right? Hawaii. God's like, it's not about you. And far too often I realize how often I've made it actually about me. That's what Martha's doing right here. Where have you made it about you? We lose, fo we lose focus. Because if you read the last of this text, 
It's scary in John 15. Because it's not just like if you try to do work apart from Jesus, it's going to be okay. He actually says, no, I will take you, I will throw you away, and I will burn you up. We're nothing without Jesus. I don't care how well you can speak. I don't care how charismatic you are. I don't care how many followers on social media. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. You are nothing without Jesus Christ. I'm nothing without Jesus. And here we have the King of the Kings, the Lord of Lords, wanting to have a personal relationship with us. We have Mary recognizing the most important thing is not to do work for Jesus, but to sit at the feet of Jesus. Remember, when you choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, you've always made the best decision. What an amazing thing. I know how screwed up, messed up, jacked up I am, but that Jesus loved me. He, he, he and God created me. Jesus died for me, and he wants to spend eternity, not just eternity, but even right now, he wants to walk with me. That's amazing, isn't it? The world might reject me. Jesus wants me. He pursues me. He loves me, and he does that for you, too. So how do we sit at the feet of Jesus? What does it look like to be a maturing disciple? I want, as we go into 2022, I want to say from this text, we see that this reality that a maturing disciple, and I pray that that's what we're about here at Fairfax Bible Church, is that through characteristics is one who looks to Jesus. Are you looking to Jesus? Mary did. Mary looked to Jesus. Is, is one then who listens to Jesus. Where do you need to listen to Jesus right now? Where do you need to stop, look to Jesus, stop what you are doing, not do a buzz through. Jesus is not a fast food restaurant of your spiritual desires. Yeah, I'll have a double cheeseburger. I mean, I'll have five grand in my bank account. Thanks, Jesus. See you later. No, sit at his feet and actually listen because if he's the commander in chief, we're on mission. We should actually ask him what he wants us to do as opposed to the opposite way. God, please get on my plans. Thank you. Amen. See you later. I'm not going to spend time listening to you. Where do you need to do that in your life? Look to Jesus, listen to Jesus, and then learn from Jesus. Actually apply it. So Mary's going to teach us how to do this in two distinct ways, how to sit at the feet of Jesus today. First, by focusing on Jesus relationally. Mary focused on her personal relationship. She prioritized her personal relationship with Jesus. A thriving relationship requires proximity, doesn't it? I love, and I love what Ryan said, hey, he's showing up here often. I love that I'm here. I love that we get to be here. I love the more time we get to be in proximity together, it's awesome. Pastor Hang and Connor, they blessed our church last week. They came and loved worship for us. It's awesome. It was awesome to have them on our campus physically. It's just great. Nothing beats proximity. And I know these last two years have been weird, amen? Like isolate, socially distance, whatever. But there's a spiritual yearning in our hearts that we need to live life together. Yes, we got to figure out weird, different ways to do that maybe right now. But it doesn't replace the, the biblical, not just call, calling, but the beauty of living life together in community. A thriving relationship requires proximity. Jesus sat at the feet of Jesus. Uh, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. When was the last time you did that? Can I tell you this? You might, I don't have time to do that. To focus on Jesus relationally, one, we need to prioritize that time, and two, we need to protect that time. Friends, I love you, and I need to tell you something. You make time for what truly matters to you. You might not have time for everything. That's why it's a priority thing. None of us have time for everything. But the question is, what's got to go? Oh, Cobra Kai, just a new season on Netflix came out, right? I got to binge watch it, but I don't have time for Jesus. Well, you're making a priority choice. I have to respond to this work email right now. Do you? Sometimes yes, but, but do you? 
I have to watch the game. I have to practice. Like, what in your life are you prioritizing over Jesus right now? And if you don't have the time for Jesus, friends, I love you. You need to make the time for Jesus. That's the message of this text. Jesus is like, make time for me because it is the best thing for you. And then you need to protect it. You ever had a quiet time and your phone starts to buzz and you're like, ah, you're all distracted mentally all over the place. Maybe you need to have quiet time without your phone nearby. I don't know. Protect it. And that's different for each person. Ann and I have had to figure out our own rhythms. Time with Jesus looks a little bit different for her than for me, just on how we're wired. She likes it dead silent. I like, I can't stand dead silence. <laughs> I need to have music on or else I get distracted by everything. So we have to figure that out. I take the kids out on Monday for two hours so she can have time alone. It's my day off. But that's, we've, that took 10 years of marriage to figure that out. We need to help each other. The second way to sit at the feet of Jesus is not just focusing on Jesus relationally. Where are you doing that today? But following Jesus is teaching faithfully. Friends, can I tell you this? That it's, salvation and sanctification, our journey, our walk with the Lord, is not, just about, it's not about the accumulation of intellectual information about Jesus. It is about a heart transformation in and through Jesus even the demons know who Jesus is. Even they shudder and fear at Jesus. But how many of I know about Jesus? Just like I know about Michael Jordan, but I'm not really BFFs with Michael Jordan either, right? But I can quote you a stat line. I can tell you where he went to college. I can tell you when his high point game was. I can tell you how tall he is. I can tell you what he looks like. You got, well, many of us can do that about Jesus, but do you know him? Do you really know him? Because when you know him, you'll obey him. When you know him, you'll submit to him. Because in Matthew, Jesus looks at a bunch of people and says, many, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this and do that and do this and do that? Here's my resume, my work for Christ resume. And Jesus says to them, get away from me. Why? Because I never what? Knew you. But I did all this work for you, but you never knew me. Working for Jesus doesn't save Jesus. Religion doesn't save you. Relationship does. We are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. So we had to follow Jesus' teaching faithfully. Mary sat there and she, she came to Jesus and sat at his feet relationally and she listened to his teaching. Now there's a difference between listening and hearing, isn't there? Look, just take, learn from my failures. So I can sit on the couch, watch the game and my, my wife, Ann, is talking to me and I'm like, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. And she's like, what was I telling you? I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, turn the game off and listen to me. <laughs> I heard it, but I didn't listen to it. It didn't change, I, did, I wasn't comprehending. I wasn't applying Friends, we need to do that as well. Hearing the Lord is good, listening to the Lord is better, following the Lord is the best. Following the Lord is in obedience. We need to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. But that only comes in putting our hearts and submitting them under the word. Mary realized what we must realize today. That we aren't shepherds first, we are sheep first. I don't care what your position is in the church we aren't shepherds first. We're all sheep first. We aren't disciple makers first. Yes, we were called to make disciples, but we were first called to be our disciples ourselves. We need to get those in the right order. So how do we know when we're being disciples? Well, I think Timothy, Paul, through and to his letter to Timothy, provides us a great map. 
He says this to Timothy, and these are some of the last words of the Apostle Paul in the last book that he wrote. He writes this in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Isn't that awesome? That every good work, everything you're going to face, everything 2022 will have to bring you, you will be competently equipped to face. How? Through the word of God and as you are empowered by the Spirit of God. The question, though, is are you following God so that you can face these with the confidence of God? So how do I know in my life, am I following the teaching of the Lord? Well, one, am I, am I being trained up in righteousness? Am I looking to the Lord for teaching? Am I opening my heart for correction from God's Word or maybe from biblical community, from those that love me and know me? They go, hey, bro, I'm not sure, but your life seems a little out of whack with God's Word, that you would actually not just reject that initially, but you would process it, listen to it, take it to God's Word, and go, maybe I need a little tune-up as I go into 2022. Are you allowing God's Word to change you, define you, rule over you, lead you? Is the posture of your heart one of submission before the Lord? Because for God to bring revival out here to the DMV, it starts with repentance in our own heart and allowing us ourselves to be led by the Lord. And my friends, many things will pull us away from Jesus. But the best thing for us is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, how would you respond if you're Martha, if you're honest and you just saw Mary chilling at the feet of Jesus and you're like, you're, you're doing dishes, you're taking the trash out, you're cutting up the, the charcuterie board. Come on, Jesus needs the best, right? I think many of us are more like Martha than we want to admit. Martha's way is a frantic way of life and a fractured heart. She is literally distracted, anxious, and troubled. The text says that. She's distracted, anxious, and troubled. Friends, I don't know how you showed up here today, but are you distracted? Are you anxious? about something you have to face at work this week or going back into work or corona or I don't know what it is. Are you troubled? All of those are a result of not sitting at the feet of Jesus, of not resting in the presence of Jesus, of not trusting in the promises of Jesus. If your life is frantic, your heart will always be fractured. Is that you today? May Jesus not just be another thing on your wall, another thing in your life, but may he be the hub of your wheel. See, everything in life should connect, in, anchor in Jesus as a hub and be attached to it and come out of it. Or is he just another one of things like Netflix or Pilates or whatever you're doing? CrossFit. So what are some things that pull us away from Jesus? A, a friend and mentor in the pastoral, Oral Marshall, sort of shared these with me. And so I want to share them with you. I think they're really important. And I think they're really apropos, especially for us with the DMV here. The first thing that often pulls us away from Jesus is just busyness. Verse 40, Martha's busy. And again, in her mind and in my mind, she's doing good stuff. She's literally working for Christ. She's literally serving Jesus. So good things can become idolatrous things. Good things can't become bad things when they replace the main thing in our lives. Well, if Satan doesn't destroy us, he will try to distract us, friends. God knows what's best for us. Martha's very busy. She's task-oriented. Nothing wrong with being task-oriented. But there's a lot wrong when we're not savior-oriented. 
guys, we can't, we can't be so busy that we don't have time to pray or read God's word. If you want to have, qual- if you want to have quant- quality in the relationship with the Lord, you need to have quantity in your relationship with the Lord. Please, friends, and as we enter into 2022, please don't sacrifice the peace that comes from being with Jesus on the altar of being too busy working for Jesus. It can happen. Ministry and church can be an idol. Doing something for Jesus can never replace being with Jesus. Is that you right now? Jesus wants you to come home and spend time with him. The second thing that pulls us away from Jesus often is disillusionment. Martha had expectations, and look look what happens when we have bad expectations. Verse 40 and 41 are so dangerous. Martha was distracted with much serving, and look how her distracted heart interacts with the king of the universe. She says, Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So, Martha is bossing Jesus around, telling Jesus to get on her program and tell others to get on her program too. Sound familiar? Because Martha thinks she has it right. She's disillusioned. Her expectations are off. How many of us are off base? How many of us, even if we think we're doing good because we're not really spending time with the Lord and going, God, what do you want me to do? We're presuming upon the Lord. We're then doing it our way as opposed to doing it God's way. And we get in the mind of, Jesus, you need to do this now. And if not, I won't dot, dot, dot. Follow you. I won't give to you. I won't believe in you. It's dangerous. She doesn't just... She challenges God's character too, right? Lord, do you not care, dot, dot, dot. God cares. God loves you. He cares for you. That doesn't mean you're gonna have an easy life. In fact, it means you're gonna have a very, very difficult life. He promises that your life will be full of much trouble. Friends, today in this moment, I just want you to quiet your hearts. And if you're really honest, because God loves you and he wants you to come as you are, If you had to fill in that blank for your heart right now, what would that be personally? Not Martha's. Martha's version is, Lord, don't you care that my sister isn't helping me? What's your version as we enter 2022? Because it's been a hard couple years. Lord, do you not care that, fill in the blank, my family member died, I lost my job, my boyfriend dumped me, I can't pay the rent, Whatever it is, this thing hasn't happened as soon as I thought it would happen. I thought you were good, God. Do you not care? God cares. He knows exactly what you need. Matthew 6, 31, 32, 33, 34. He knows all the needs that you have. But his response to us is seek first the kingdom of God and then all these other things will be added unto you. I know the clothes you need for your back. I know the food that you need for your table. I own a thousand, the cattle on a thousand hills. I can provide, I will provide. When have I not been faithful to you before? And that's what struck me worshiping over the eight years of God's faithfulness. Yes, it was, there was, there's flashes of incredible lows, but the incredible highs of God's faithfulness. God never left us. He will walk through us with it, and he will see us through it. Where do you need today to go to the Lord and be like, God, I, here it is where I'm struggling. Forgive me for challenging your character, God. God, and help me to trust you right now.
See, we get, when we get distracted from the goodness of God, we start to challenge the character of God. Where are you distracted right now? Where are you disillusioned? John 16, 33, I've told you all these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you might have trouble, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome this world. So Martha got a very different answer from Jesus than she was expecting. Jesus looked at her in verse 41 and said, Martha, Martha, are you anxious and troubled about many things? You are anxious and troubled. Our anxiety happens when we take our eyes off of Jesus. Now, there are anxiety and worries. There are aspects of that that are chemical. I get that. I'm not talking about that biologically stuff. I'm talking about the stuff in our heart that happens when we get worked up because our mind and our heart get distracted away from Jesus Christ. Because the third thing that often pulls me away from Jesus is disappointment. The fear of letting Jesus down. What if my house isn't perfect? What if I don't have the right food? What if, what if Jesus sees that big mess in my closet of where I threw all the stuff? Don't open that door, Jesus. Because you're going to see my mess. Jesus knows your mess anyway. And he loves you anyway. And he's with you in it anyway. He died for it already. He covered it. He paid, and he wants you anyway. He chooses you anyway. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. I don't either. Jesus paid for it though. And he loves you. You will, so we don't need to worry about disappointing him by working for him. He's just saying, I miss my daughter Martha. I want to spend time with my little sister Martha. Jesus looks at her very, very compassionately and he says, Martha, Martha. He says her name twice. It's personal. He knows you and he loves you. Martha, Martha. You're troubled about many things. He's recentering her heart. He's recalibrating her priorities. You're worried about many things. And friends, if I were to hazard a guess, and I don't think it would be that hard, most, if not all of us in this room right now are worried about a lot of things. Things that are outside of our control, things that we can't predict. Well, Corey Ten Boom said, don't ever be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. But are you actually choosing to trust that future or that tomorrow? or that today, even right now, to the God that you know, the God who's been faithful, the God that loves you and cares for you. Jesus is like, look, just sit at my feet. But, the dish, but, 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 just sit. Nothing else matters. Just sit and rest in my presence. Jesus says this, he drops the mic right here, literally. One thing is necessary. See, if you think that Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Sovereign King, when he tells us one thing is necessary, you think that's important? Yeah. So if you haven't highlighted this, if you haven't underlined it, if you haven't memorized it, this is not just a message for Martha, it's a message for me, and it's a message for you. It's a message. One thing is necessary, the one thing, which is to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. Isn't that amazing? What a promise. You see, when you choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, you've always made the best decision. It will not be taken away from you. It will always be best for you. Friends, today, will you choose to sit at the feet of Jesus? The one thing is necessary. Many things try to pull us away. And maybe you've been wandering this past week, month, year. The holidays are a very difficult time. COVID is going crazy, and that triggers a lot of things in a lot of us. 
But Jesus' message to all of us, it's not too late to come home and I'm ready for you to sit right now here at my feet. Jesus himself says this in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 as the worship team begins to come. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know how you walked in here with, I don't know what 2021 was like for you or 2020. I just know it was hard, period. I don't think anyone in this room or this world has had an easy last year or two with death, with grief, with politics, with racial tensions, with financial struggles, with job stuff, you name it, sickness, illness, COVID. But the message of Jesus, the promise of Jesus, the reality of Jesus has not changed and it will not change. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Translation to all of us, his call right now is to come. Not tomorrow, but right now, to come. And the promise is, I will give you rest. I heard many of you earlier today, literally, say, if you could have one thing, rest, right? A nap. Jesus is offering you a nap. He's offering you rest. He said, and Psalm 91 says, come to me and I will care for you. I will open up my wings and under the shadow of your, my wings, you will find rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. He is a lion, yes. He's also a lamb. He loves you and he cares for you. And he wants to take your burdens upon himself. In fact, he already did on the cross. And you will find rest for your souls. I don't know what you're looking for. I just know many of us in this room are trying to find rest for our souls. And I'm, I got good news for you. The answer is Jesus. It's right here. This key's teaching us, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the invitation to you that was to Mary and Martha then. It's to you and I today. Friends, I want to invite you right now to run to the Father. I want, you to run, I want to invite you to sit at his feet. I want to invite you to rest in his love, to rely on his strength, and to faithfully obey his word. So much when we have burdens or shame, sin, guilt, struggle, we, our first instinct is to run from God. And today God is saying, run to me. Come to me. I love you anyway. I love you. And I will never stop loving you. I welcome without judgment. I love without condition. I forgive without limit. Come. Come as you are. I will love you where you are. And by the grace of God, I won't leave you where you are. Come. Rest. Repent. Commit. Surrender. going through a difficult time about a year and a half ago and I and just looked at my wife looked at me she said I think God's trying to get your attention if we don't bend our own knee God will bend our knee for us because he loves us to sit at the feet of Jesus praise God for that so as we go into 2022 I want to challenge you to rest I got Jesus is offering you rest he's promising you rest he's asking you to sit at his feet don't just sit at his feet to learn and listen, but sit at his feet and bring your junk, your anxiety, your worries, your burdens, your sin. So what does rest look like? I wanna propose to you as we enter 2022 together. We're in, I'm in this with you, we're in this together. This message is very much for me as, as much as it is for you. Rest, R, remember. 
I want you to remember God's character today. That's how you find rest. Remember God's character. Remember his promises. I love that we're gonna pray through the Psalms together. That's a remembering of the promises and the character of God. That's a declaration of how far fallen we have fallen and the goodness of God. We need to remember our God and E in rest, exalt. Choose to worship God through the worry. Choose to lift his name above every situation in your life right now. Go, God, this is hard. Let's not deny. We're not going to deny the problems, but we are going to declare the promises. And we're going to sing it to ourselves. That's what Ephesians 6 teaches us. This is our weapon to take out our sword of the spirit. The word is not logos, it's rhema. It's the verbal proclamation of the word, which is how we fight our battles. That's why we need to sing in every situation. Why we need to worship through our worry. We need to retune our heart and remind it of the gospel and the triumph and the victory of Jesus. So R, then E, we need to remember, we need to exalt S. We need to surrender. Surrender our hearts, surrender our problems, surrender our pride. Some of us haven't come to God because we're too darn prideful to come to God. We think we can do it ourselves, as my six-year-old tells me all the time. But how many of us act like that with our Heavenly Father? Let's stop playing the game. Let's own the reality. We are nothing without Jesus. We are helpless without Him. And let's run and surrender our heart to Him right now in our problems and our sin. He's already covered it and He offers forgiveness for it. Come to Him. So we need to remember, exalt, surrender, and finally the T and rest is trust. Trust. Trust that God has this. Trust that his word is true. Trust that the God who has been faithful before will be faithful again. Because faithfulness is not just something our God does. Faithful is who our God is, amen? It is his character. He can't be anything but faithful. I love our God for that, amen? I love our God for that. So friends, I pray that you would find that rest in Jesus today as you run to his feet, as you remember his promises and his character, as you exalt him for who he is, as you surrender and repent, surrender your heart, and maybe you need to do that for the first time, and as you choose to trust, trust again. God, I'm I'm sorry for so long I've tried to figure this out on my own, but today I choose to trust you, and in that you will find peace. Bow your heads with me if you would right now. Pastor Hang is going to continue to play. Wherever you are, I just pray that in this moment, between you and God, that you would run to his feet. For the next minute or two, we're going to have silence as Pastor Hang continues to pray, and then I will close in prayer and we'll close in a song. But I just pray that you would start this year between you and God that you would run to the feet of God. Maybe you need to confess something. Maybe you need to declare something. Maybe you need to commit to something. I don't know what it is. Maybe you need to just preach the gospel to yourself. Maybe you need to just sit and say, God, what do you want to teach me? And then be silent and let the Holy Spirit speak. But just spend some time right now in the presence of God, asking the Holy Spirit to encourage your heart, convict your heart, clean your heart, strengthen your heart. He will do all of that as we prepare to enter into this new year resting in the presence of our Father. Father God, we come into your presence. God, and we ask you to forgive us for all the times we've been too busy for you. 
all the times we've presumed upon you, God, all the times we've tried to get you to do our plan instead of seeking and surrendering to your plan, all the times we've just tried to do it ourselves, God, and we're worn out from it. God, we are here today to declare the reality we are nothing without you, and in you we have everything that we need. You are our sufficiency, you are our covering, you are our alpha and you are our omega, you are our redeemer, you are our restorer, God. And I ask that you would restore the souls of every single person in this room right now, God. That you would cleanse us and refresh us and renew us, God. That we would sit at your feet, God, and just enjoy your presence and find sufficiency in who you are, God. God, what a privilege it is to have a personal relationship with the God of the universe, the creator of the world, the savior, the sustainer, the ruler. God, revive us again. God, in the letter you wrote to the church at Ephesus in Revelation, God, you said you've done this and you've done that. Great, great, great. But this I hold against you. You've forsaken your first love. Return to me, God. I pray that we would return to you again, God. That you would restore our love and our joy that comes through a personal, restored relationship. That we would never get tired of pursuing you. Never stop growing you. Growing our delight in you, God. God, manifest yourself in this place and in our hearts, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And we need you, Jesus. Have your way in us, clean us, cleanse us, and then lead us, God. As the psalmist writes in Psalm 139. God, we love you. Just thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.